to the Whitewater Podcast. Stay tuned at the end of the message for church resources and more information about Whitewater. For now, let's dive into this week's message together. And I'm so excited about Easter. I don't know about you. I want to invite you, your friends and your family to join us for the journey to Sierra Leone. And if you can't join us in person, you can always watch online. I hope you enjoyed last week's sermon with Pastor Rick Warren. I know I did. This week, we're going to be finishing the rest of that sermon on quarreling. It's going to be really helpful for the world that we live in. Some of you may not know this, but it was actually through our relationship with our friends down at Saddleback with Pastor Rick Warren to our partnership with Sierra Leone. Pastor Rick is the architect of what's called the Peace Plan, and that's led to a lot of great partnerships between churches across the globe, giving them the opportunity to learn from one another and really learn how to partner in their own communities so they can transform communities and individuals. So I'm grateful for our relationship with Saddleback Pastor Rick. Without further ado, here's the sermon. A quarrel is a heated argument, typically about a trivial issue between two people who are usually on good terms. (laughs) Now, let me say that again. It's a heated argument, typically about a trivial issue between people who are usually on good terms. Have you ever had a quarrel with your wife or your husband? Thousands of them, of course you have. Now, what's the difference between a fight and and a quarrel? A fight can be physical, it can actually get physical, but a quarrel is always verbal. Here's step three. Now we come to the third step in reducing quarreling, whether in your family or your neighborhood or your work. Stop expecting other people, write this down, stop expecting other people to fulfill needs in my life that only God can fulfill. That's one of the big causes of conflict, of quarreling. Stop expecting other people to fulfill needs in my life that only God can fulfill. One of the great causes of conflict and quarrels, particularly in marriage, is when we expect our spouse to meet needs in our lives that only God can meet. Now that's not only unfair to them, it sets you both up for massive frustration. They're not God. They cannot possibly meet all your needs. I know when you got married, you thought all my needs are gonna be met by my spouse. They couldn't possibly live up to that. They're human beings, they're as broken as you are. And so in this next verse, James says that a lot of our conflicts and our arguments and our quarrels happen because we look to the wrong source to meet our needs and we ask for the wrong reasons. That's what he says. James 4, 2 and 3, you don't have because you don't ask God for it. You're expecting other people to meet your needs instead of God. You're not praying about it. You're You're fighting over it. You don't have because you don't ask for it. And if you ask, you don't receive it because you ask with the wrong motivation. Again, God says, the reason you have a lot of conflict in your life is you're expecting other people to meet needs that only I can meet. You're asking the wrong person. Your spouse, no matter how great they are, cannot possibly fill up your need for self-esteem. Your spouse cannot possibly fill up your need for every other emotional need you've got because they're, they're human too. But we look to the wrong source, we expect a person to meet all our needs instead of God, and if we do ask God for help, we often pray with the mo- wrong motivation. That leaves us frustrated. So he says, you know what, stop 
quarreling and start praying. Now, prayer is not a vending machine. God is not my genie. God does not exist to serve me, like your wish is my command. If you say, God, make me a millionaire, he's not gonna make you a millionaire. That's not his goal in life. His goal is not comfort, but character in your life. Comfort's in the next life. God doesn't exist for us, we exist to serve him. Now, when I look to other things in the world, when I look to other sources to meet my deepest need, whether it's in a bottle or a drug or a TV or sport or another person or a hobby, when I look to somebody else or something else to meet my deepest needs, God says it's a form of spiritual adultery. He goes, why are you going to them? I'm the one who created you. I'm the one who loves you. I want you to notice this next verse, James 4, 6, 4 to 6. He says this, you know, you cheat on God when you have an affair with what the world values. What does the world value? Sex, salary, status, position, passion, possession, okay? Well, he says, when you, you cheat on God when you have a love affair with what the world values. If my values are the same as everybody who's not a Christian, I'm having a spiritual affair, I'm being a spiritual adulterer. He said to love the world, what the world loves is to hate God and to be the enemy of God. This is what the scripture means when it says that God's spirit who lives in us is intensely jealous. Did you know that the Holy Spirit is jealous for your love? He wants your faithful love. He wants your unconditional love. He wants your focused love. He, he doesn't want you sharing your love with everybody else. I'm talking about the value system of this world. He says he wants our faithful love. That's why he gives us so much grace. Now, here's the fourth step in reducing quarrels, okay? Number four, this is a big one. Next verse, James says this, choose humility over prideful anger. Choose humility over prideful anger. And he's saying this because all along he said that pride is behind all of the conflict. Pride is behind quarreling. Pride always shows up. You know, when Kay and I got married, the very first Bible verse that we memorized together as a couple was Proverbs 13:10. We actually had to memorize it on our honeymoon. Why? Because we were already having some quarrels on our honeymoon. Proverbs 13:10 says this. Real simple. Pride only leads to quarrels. Oh my goodness. Have you found that to be true in your life? Wherever there are quarrels, you can be sure there's pride. It may be hurt ego. I didn't feel like you treated me like I ought to be treated. It may be wounded pride, but it's there. You didn't feel like you were treated correctly. Now question, have you ever been prideful and so prideful that you could not compromise on something even though you should? <laughs> yeah. Have you ever been in an argument with your spouse where you knew you were wrong, but you just couldn't admit it? Yes, everybody raise your hand, okay. That's why James makes a big deal and a big emphasis on humility as an antidote, one of the seven antidotes to quarreling. And here's what he says, James 4, 6 and 7. As the scripture says, God opposes the prideful, but he gives his grace to the humble. So give yourself completely to God. Now. Notice, if you're taking notes, circle that word opposes. God declares war on pride. God declares war on ego. 
on arrogance, on selfishness. Anytime pride rears its head in my life, I'm on the opposite side of God. I'm gonna lose that battle because my arms are too short to box with God. God opposes, the, God doesn't just say, oh, that's a little petty sin. It says God openly opposes people who are prideful. So if you want God's help in reducing conflict or anything else in your life, it starts with humility. God declares war on ego. Now, I don't know if you've noticed this or not, but God has a unique way of engineering circumstances to deflate our ego. <laughs> he got plenty of them. He got plenty of ways to deflate our ego. The truth is to be in opposition to God is a dangerous place to be. You're on a collision course with the creator of the universe and you're going to lose. So suck it up and humble yourself. God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. Now, if pride causes quarrels, then that means the opposite is true too. The cure quarrels is humility. Every time I'm humble, I get along better with my wife, my kids, my friends, my employees, the members of my church, my neighbors. The Bible says God gives grace to the humble. What's grace? Grace is the power to change. If you want to stop the fighting in your home, then you need grace. And there's only one way to get grace. Be humble. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Then notice, he says, God gives grace to the humble. And he says, so give yourselves completely to God. He says, let God be God in your life. Give yourself to him completely, like every part. You, know, you got a house, give him the bathroom, give him the bedroom, give him the kitchen, give him the living room, give him the backyard, give him the garage, give him the secret compartment in your case, uh, in the closet. It, yield yourself completely to God. This is the starting point. You quit trying to run your own life without God. Remember in verse one, it said, the battle that's within you, that civil war that's going on, the real conflict is inside you is this, who's in charge? Who's in charge of you, you or God? Now, God gives us, in the same passage in James, he gives us a great promise that when we humble ourselves. In verse 10, in the end of this passage, James 4.10, James says this, if you humble yourself before the Lord, he will lift you up. He'll lift you up. The more I go down, the more he raises me up. What does it mean to be lifted up? It, it means this, the more you humble yourself, the more God will honor you. The more you humble yourself, the more God will bless you. The more you humble yourself, the more God will exalt you. That word literally is, is the word he's talking about, lift you up, it's exalt. We talk about exalting Christ, I exalt you Christ. God says, I will exalt you if you humble yourself. And humility is the antidote to the pride that causes all of those quarrels. Now we come to the fifth step. And this fifth step is to recognize in every quarrel that there is an unseen spiritual war going on behind the scenes. You may think you're arguing about who took out the garbage or didn't. You may think you're arguing about leaving clothes on the floor or something else, something petty or trivial. But behind the scenes, at the surface level, there's a quarrel over something that, that may be pretty, pretty minor. But at a deeper level, Satan is trying to wreak havoc 
create havoc, create chaos, create distractions, create destruction in your relationships, in your friendships, in your marriage, in your parenting, in your home, with your brother, with your sister, with your neighbors, with your, your friends at work or coworkers, with people who live by you. Satan is behind the scenes taking every little opportunity to mess you up with conflict. And that's why the fifth step that James gives us in reducing quarrels is this. Recognize the source behind all conflict. You need to recognize the source behind all conflict. We wage not against flesh and blood. We're not, we're not fighting a battle that's fair. Satan is not seen, but he is real. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 27, it says this. Anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Hello. Anger gives a mighty foothold, gives them a beachhead, gives them a place to stand. Anger gives the devil a, a pinion or something to hold on to in your life. Anger gives a mighty foothold to the devil. Anytime you get angry in a quarrel, anytime you use hurtful words, you are opening the door for Satan to get a foothold in your emotions and in your relationships, in both. You're giving him a foothold in your emotions and your relationships. Now, it is Satan who wants to damage all your relationships. It is Satan who wants to destroy all your relationships. And he is always ready, believe me, he's always ready with an arsenal of hurtful words for you to use. And he's ready to support them and put, plant them in your mind the moment you get into a quarrel. He is always ready with an arsenal of what I call WMDs, words of mass destruction that he wants you to use. And that's why the next thing that James says to do to reduce quarrels is in verse seven. And here's what he says here. He said, if you wanna reduce these quarrels in your life, number seven, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. He says, that's, that's part of lowering the quarrels in your life. How in the world do I do that? H how do I resist the devil and he flees from me? Well, let me give you two very practical suggestions for resisting the devil. Because if you notice, let's just take a hypothetical here. Now I know this never happens to you, right? Uh, but if you notice this week, you're about to get into a quarrel with somebody and you see, this is going a little far. It's going to turn into a full on fight. It's going to turn into a quarrel. We're going to have an argument here because I'm cranky or they're cranky or whatever. And you're about to get into quarrel with anybody. You need to do these two things, which will help you resist the devil. Number one, be aware you need to be aware even before the quarrel starts that Satan has a plan to upset you. He wants you to be stressed. He wants you to be angry. He wants you to be hurt. God certainly doesn't want any of that. God doesn't want you stressed or angry or hurt, but the devil does. And Satan will use any negative emotion in your life to destroy your peace. And that's why the first step of this is to be aware of how he works. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11 says this, we're very aware of Satan's schemes so that he doesn't outwit us. Now, if you don't know how Satan schemes, then you will get outwit in time and time again. 
But to be aware is to be armed to resist. So let me ask you, are you aware of how Satan uses destructive words in your life? Are you aware of that? The ones that come at you and the ones that come out of your mouth. Are you aware that when you get angry and you use hurtful words, you're actually giving Satan a foothold in both your life and your relationships? Starting point is to, to realize, this is not just a little argument here between me and my spouse or me and a child or me and somebody else. No, Satan is looking for a foothold, both in my emotions and in my relationship. And then the second part, here's the second key, and this is very important, so I'm gonna explain it. Recognize what part of your brain you're using at the moment you get into the conflict. Let me say it again. Recognize what part, you know, your brain has many parts. Recognize what part of your brain you're using at the moment you get into the quarrel. Now, let me explain this. This is stuff we didn't even know. The Bible knew it, but now science has explained it through neuroscience. Your brain has many different levels of complexity because your, your brain is partitioned to do different things. Okay, and some things are automatic, like your blood pressure and your breathing and your heartbeat, and other things uh, are by volitional, you make a choice. And so there are different kinds of functions done by different parts of your brain. I'm gonna show you this graphic on the screen right now, Dr. Bruce Perry created it, that the highest and smartest part of your brain, okay, if you, if you, if you had levels, it's not really levels, but just think of it that way, the highest and smartest part of your brain is called your neocortex, all right? Now, when you're using that part of your brain, you're thinking really clearly. That part of your brain, the neocortex, when you're using that part, it's rational, it's thoughtful, you're able to reason, you're able to see different points of view. When you're using your neocortex, you're doing your best and clearest thinking. When you're writing a business plan, when you're writing poetry, when you're writing a letter, you're using the neocortex part of your brain and that's the highest and clearest and best use of your brain. But a little bit lower in your brain, a lower part of your brain is called your limbic brain. It's much more emotional. It's much more physical. It's not as smart. It's not, it's dumb. It's reactionary. Now, it's so emotional, it's gutsy. When you raise your voice in anger, you drop from your neocortex into your limbic you're dropping into a lower, dumber part of your brain. You're not gonna think as clearly. Now, when you're calm, when you're calm and you're collected and you're not stressed, you're thinking in your neocortex. But when you're stressed or you're fearful or you get angry, you get a shot of adrenaline, you drop into the lower levels of your brain and you're not nice when you drop into the lower part of your brain because you're instinctual and you're protective and you don't think clearly and it's all emotion and you might yell or you might pound the table, you might throw something, that's not your best thinking. Anytime you see any of those things, you've moved out of your best thinking in your cortex into limbic, okay? Why am I teaching this to you? Because you can learn to go, wait a minute, I, just, I started off here in this thing, but all of a sudden something triggered by what she or what he said 
And now I've just dropped into, all of a sudden I'm getting emotional, I'm getting hot, I'm raising my voice, I'm getting sarcastic. I have just dropped out of my highest level of thinking. And I'm now, I'm now thinking in the, in the dumb brain, in the limbic brain, uh, limbic brain. I'm thinking emotionally. What do you do? One of the ways you can resist the devil, okay, is don't let him keep you in that level. When you drop from, well, we were having a pretty good discussion here, but all of a sudden somebody's feelings got hurt and everything got elevated. When, when you drop into that emotional lower level thinking, drop, stop. Just stop, shut up, pause, take a breath, stop talking, don't say anything. Let your emotions cool so that you don't say things in your limbic brain that you'll later regret, because you say stuff. When you say stuff you regret, it's not coming out of the cortex, it's coming out of the limbic, all right? Now that's a big scientific explanation for the fact that you need to cool it down. Ephesians 4.31 says it like this, get rid, get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger. Get rid of it. Never shout harsh words, insults, cursing, don't curse, or any other type of rude or hurtful talk. That might be a verse for you to write down on a card and memorize this week. Put it on your refrigerator, on your visor in your car, whatever, okay? The way you resist the devil, one of the ways is don't get caught in him moving you from one kind of thinking to another when all of a sudden you're not thinking so well anymore. Make sure you're not in the lower part of your brain, you're in the higher part of your brain. And when you feel like, oh, this, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not as clear as I was, pause. And if you teach this to each other in a marriage, in a family, it'll save you an awful lot of heartache. Couple more steps in James chapter four. The next verse tells us this. When you're in a quarrel, he says, what causes quarrels? The conflicts. And then he gives us how to deal with it. Number six, talk to God silently during the quarrel, okay? Talk to God silently while you're talking to the other person. You can carry on two conversations at the same time. You do this all the time. You're probably doing it right now. As you're listening to me, you're also talking to yourself. You can carry on more than one conversation sometimes, and talking to God will put you back up in your higher, less angry part of your brain. It takes you out of the emotional part and puts you back up there, okay? This is really important. This is really important. Let, let me give you another little tip that goes with this that I've noticed. On the days that I begin and end my day with the Word of God, I'm a whole lot more at peace. I'm a whole lot less irritable. You will be amazed at what a daily quiet time with God will do for you. That's what this next verse says, James 4, 8. If you draw close to God, he will draw close to you, even in a quarrel, even in a conflict, even in an argument. This is a wonderful promise. If you draw close to God, he'll draw close to you. That means, so I'm starting to get in this 
I'm just having this discussion, let's say with my wife, and all of a sudden I get my feelings hurt or she gets her feelings hurt, and all of a sudden I'm dropping out of my clear thinking into the more emotional thinking. All of a sudden I'm getting a little catty, a little irritable, sarcastic, using words that I, I don't want to use. Okay, he says, draw close to God and he will draw close to you. So at that point, I need to pause and ask God for wisdom and ask God for patience and ask God for help and, and ask God to help me hear clearly and ask God to give me the insight into that other person, all right? And so I would just sit down and I would imagine Jesus Christ with me there in the conflict, in the, in the quarrel and going, okay, Lord, what would you say? What, what would you do? Help me to hear this as you're hearing it, not as the way I'm hearing it, because I've got a filter that's just me, okay? Colossians 3.15 says this, let the peace that Christ gives, he's the prince of peace. You want peace in your relationships? Let the peace that Christ gives control your thinking. Because as members of Christ's body, you are called to live in peace. Are you a member of Christ's body? What is Christ's body? It's the church. Are you a member of Christ's church? He said, if you're in God's family, if you're a believer, if you've been born again, if you are in the family of God, the flock of God, if you're a member of Christ's church, he says, you, you, you are called to live in peace. We're broken people learning to love. Broken people loved by a God who was broken If we draw close to God, he'll draw close to us. And so I just want to take a moment for maybe any of you out there who are wanting to commit to, you know, unity and forgiving others and, and living a life where, you're, where we're not quarreling, we're peacemakers. So if you would want to commit to that in your life right now for your family, your friendships, you know, maybe just your work life, why don't you pray this prayer with me right now? Heavenly Father, thank you for coming and making peace and reconciliation between us and you. And God, I, I ask that you would help me to bring peace and reconciliation and not to quarrel, but Lord, to, to be someone who pours water on, on flames of, of disruption and disunity. Help me to be a person who brings unity to my family, to my friendships, and to my world. In Jesus' name, amen. Guys, thanks for joining us today. We've got some discussion questions that you can go over with your spiritual family or your home church. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. Thanks again for joining us this week. At Whitewater, we believe in creating an environment where you can belong before you believe. If you want to learn more about who we are and what we believe in, visit us at our website, whitewaterchurch.org. If you'd like to contribute to Whitewater financially, you can give online at whitewaterchurch.org give. Or if you want to get involved in blessing our communities or are interested in joining a home church, email us at info at whitewaterchurch.org. Have a great week, and we'll see you next time.